Welcome to Dynamics of Dialogue, your one-stop shop for peace and love on the airwaves, a safe space for people of color and our allies. Join us every week as we have real dialogue with people going through real life. Your dynamic, your dialogue. Come get some. Welcome to Dynamics of Dialogue. This is your host, Ty Davis, and I'm here in the studio today with Sheriff's candidate Curtis Clemens. Curtis. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. I'm so glad you came. So Curtis, um, I wanted to uh, spend time with you yes. and to give you an opportunity to share your platform um, with the people um, because I think it's important that people know, um, you know, I think this is a historic thing and not that I think it is. It's historic to have uh, not just one but two African-Americans running in the race for Gwinnett County Sheriff. That's very significant. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about your background. Would you go over that with me, please? Sure, mm -hmm. sure. Um, was not born here in Gwinnett County. However, Gwinnett County is my home. Mm -hmm. um, my uh, uh, part of uh, two brothers here in the Atlanta, in the Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. My mom originally moved to the metro Atlanta area. Oh, matter of fact, over there near Auburn Avenue. Um, and uh, eventually we moved to DeKalb County, and mm -hmm. that's where I grew up in DeKalb County. But uh, mm -hmm. Also, I was very fortunate. My father was in the Air Force for 33 years, so I got a chance to travel around the world and see a lot of things. And of course, my mom worked for Eastern Airlines and mm -hmm. traveled some more. And uh, after high school, uh, I went into the military, was in the uh, U.S. Marine Corps okay, right. uh, for six years. And uh, after I got in the Marines, uh, I decided that uh, I wanted to, to do something more to give back to the community, which is, you know, how I was raised. And so... Uh, I decided to join Gwinnett County Sheriff's Department, and I applied and uh, eventually was hired and uh, worked my way up from uh, Deputy Sheriff 1, which is where you are when you first start, uh, all the way up to Sergeant with the Sheriff's Department. But again, there was always that desire and that drive to, to do more because I had actually done everything you could do at the Sheriff's Department. I had worked at the jail, courthouse, uh, served warrants and served civil papers and mm -hmm. like I said done everything you could do at the jail. But I always wanted to be a detective. I truly wanted to get involved in solving crimes. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, just, I made a decision to uh, uh, transfer and, and apply to go to Gwinnett County Police Department. Again, had to go through that whole process, and I was hired. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that I had to give up my sergeant's pay, sergeant stripes, everything, and start all the way back at the bottom. Because the sheriff's department is different. It's completely different from the police department. Mm -hmm. And so as a new hire with the police department, I started all the way back down to a police officer one. Uh, so that was a significant uh, impact for me and my family at the time, as I had one son uh, at the time that was on the way and uh, but I, I decided that, that is what I needed to do and uh, so uh, over the years uh, I spent five years at the Sheriff's Department and then once I was hired with the Gwinnett County Police Department mm -hmm. uh, I have uh, worked every precinct in Gwinnett County Police Department. I spent mm -hmm. uh, 14 years uh, as an investigator investigating homicide uh, special Victims Unit, which is Crimes Against Children, mm -hmm. Women, and the Elderly. Um, also worked what's called General Crimes and Burglary, and uh, became uh, made my way up to Lieutenant, uh, became the commander over code enforcement for all of Gwinnett County, and from there I was blessed enough to be appointed to the position of Major, 
and took over uh, North Precinct, which is the precinct uh, adjacent to the Mall of Georgia. Okay. So huge precinct, huge area to cover, mm -hmm. uh, and a lot going on over there. And while I was there, I, I initiated a program. Uh, some call it old school policing, but uh, mm -hmm. the way things are, I think it was something that was needed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I told my officers, we need to get back out into the community. Mm -hmm. And actually, I told them, when you're driving through neighborhoods, instead of just driving through and you see somebody actually get out the car and interact with them in the community, let them get to know you. And that helps humanize you and uh, let them know that you truly are there to serve them. And it went over... Uh, very well with the officers as well as the people in the community. Mm -hmm. And then from that, uh, uh, again, uh, the chief asked me to accept the appointment to Chief Ayers. Chief Ayers, mm -hmm. Chief Butch Ayers, mm -hmm. uh, with, uh, Chief of Gwinnett County Police Department, uh, mm -hmm. asked me to accept the uh, appointment to assistant chief. And I mm -hmm. became the first uh, person of color appointed to assistant chief of police in any police department in Gwinnett County history. Wow, see? That's, and see, all of these things are really significant. That's yeah. a lot of firsts. And so, you know, forgive the faux pas. I've yes. heard this, your story, mm -hmm. but what's really, it's, I'm just becoming really present that you've, you've, you've come from the sheriff's department to yeah. the Gwinnett police. Mm -hmm. So you've had experience on both ends. Yes. Okay. Uh, total of, uh, in total, 30 years of service, uh, five at the sheriff's department and 25 with Gwinnett County Police Department. So okay. I bring a lot of experience to the table. So what made you choose to run for sheriff? Well, you know, uh, we were talking a little bit, you know, before the show aired mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. um, my parents both were uh, raised, born and raised in Montgomery, Alabama. And so they were part of the civil rights struggle mm. uh, and especially the, the bus boycott going on in Montgomery, Alabama. And so uh, as I was growing up, and not only my parents, but my family as a whole poured into me that you have to give back. You have to be a part of the community and you have to be active in what's going on in the community and you can't just sit back and wait for somebody else to do it you have to get up and actually go do something mm -hmm. and so you know i have a unique perspective in law enforcement having served at both the sheriff's department and the police department um and having friends and associates on, with both departments and also being actively involved in the community with mentoring and other things i meet a lot of families mm -hmm. and i hear you know, some of the horror stories of uh, families that have been destroyed um, by what is you know, known as 287G, a program uh, initiated by ICE, the federal government, that the uh, Gwinnett County Sheriff Butch Conway has signed on to. And I've seen how it destroys families, and I saw how, you know, it, it has driven a wedge between law enforcement and the community that we are supposed to be serving. Uh, there is literally fear among people to have interactions with law enforcement because absolutely, absolutely because they are scared that even when they are victims of crimes, they're scared to come forward. So some crimes are not even reported, and then when they are witness, when they are actually witnesses to crimes to help us solve crimes, they're scared to come forward because they think we're gonna you know, ask them about their immigration status and we're gonna deport them. Because that's our experience. I know I've shared in the past with you. Um, and when, you know, when we first met that, you know, the environment I come from, that's mm -hmm. exactly the tactic that they use. Yes. It could be something as simple as 
going to pick your loved one up, like if someone that in your family gets stopped by police, um, New Jersey state troopers are notorious. Mm. And you know, so if they get stopped by a state trooper and you have to go up there to pick them up, they're gonna run your license yes. just because you're coming to pick them up. Mm -hmm. And and it, you know, people, a ticket, you're in jail, yes. you know? And so it, it creates a mistrust. And, 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 that's and overwhelmingly, yeah. what has been seen is that uh, people of color are the ones who are essentially targeted and for being run through the ICE system to determine if the, their immigration status is, is legitimate. Yes. Uh, and, um, and like I said, it, it's created fear and it's created a wedge, which I think we need to eliminate between the community and law enforcement. And so I saw that as something that, that, that needed to, to be addressed. And I think as long as the current sheriff is in office, um, I don't. I don't think he ha will have a change of heart. As a matter of fact, he just recently came forward and said, regardless of what the Gwinnett County Board of Commissioners decide as far as renewing the uh, uh, MOU or the agreement to work with ICE, the sheriff says he's going to continue his ICE program right. with the deportations because and so, he can do that. Because he can do that. Do you remember now? Um, I believe uh, I first met Chief Ayers at mm. the grand jury reform. Yeah. Forum. Were you there at that forum? I was not there at that okay. forum. Okay. When I met Chief Ayers there, um, I, I approached him and I expressed my concern because that was very, you know, it's just, and I'm just going over this to really give credence to the fact that there is a lot of concern in the community. Um, Attorney Mawuli Davis okay. was uh, the moderator for that. And okay. now you know his name, yes. you know who he is. He's a very distinguished citizen in yeah. the city of Atlanta. You know, he's an attorney, civil rights attorney. He's He's done so many wonderful things. Mm -hmm. And I remember in the forum, he raised his hand and he said, now how many of you get nervous when law enforcement pulls up behind you? Right. And, 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 and and he said, you, you know that your license is good, your, your insurance is good, you know, nothing is suspended, you haven't done anything, but when you see Gwinnett County Police, do you get nervous? And all of these hands went up. Yes. And Chief Ayers, I think that was a really interesting moment for him, and that's when I approached him and asked him about safety you yes. know as a citizen living in Gwinnett County mm -hmm. coming from an area where um, there are a lot of uh, predatory practices and in yes. my environment I grew up in there's stop and frisk mm -hmm. which is very different from what we experience in the metro Atlanta area right. um, and that's literally where the police can see you and stop you on the street and just detain you take your money, mm -hmm. it, it happens. Right. And it, you know, and this is why so many don't trust police. So mm -hmm. again, I thank you. So, and, and I just wanna create space for that to me as right. a citizen. I mean, I'm a podcaster, but I'm a mom. Right. I, I have a 27 year old son who lives mm -hmm. in Gwinnett County. Right. It matters to me who is in law enforcement, yes. particularly when the people are elected officials. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, so. So, you know, that, you know, seeing that was one issue that I felt yeah. needed to be addressed. So that and the, the need for bond reform um, here in wow. Gwinnett County, not only Gwinnett County, I think it needs to be a nationwide review of bond reform because you have people who are sitting in custody for $200 bond. They can't make that bond or a $500 bond. Uh, for some people, that $500 bond may be a drop in the bucket. It means nothing to them. But for for others, that's half of their rent that month, or that's that's food on the table for the family. And so you reach a point where you get to an apex where you're keeping somebody in jail, and the amount of money you pay daily, it far exceeds the amount of the bond. 
Yeah. And not only, and I'm sorry when you said that, yeah. but it, and it also is even kind of predatory on the families because the families bear a lot of the burden. Right. Yeah. Because who who's coming up with the bond? Who's who's you know turning over property so that the family member can get bonded out? You yes. know, it's, and so, it's challenging. And so so looking at that, and that that's one of the things also because you know I was looking at you know doing a bond reform and looking at signature or rele- allowing people to be released on their own recognizance on. Uh, you know, nonviolent offenses, and of course, we'd be selective in the offenses that we would uh, look at and work with the state legislature and the judges in the county. But we would be looking at, you know, uh, releasing people to get back out and be productive and take care of their families, and not again, you know, destroy or disrupt families because it's a domino effect where you know you have a $200 bond, you just don't have it. Now you, you you're sitting in jail, you're separated from your family, and the domino effect is now. You lost your job because you can't show up, and then that just that just makes the conditions the even deeper. worse for the whole family. And everybody feels that everybody. Way. I'm suffers. sitting here shaking my head because I've been in that space. I have yeah. never been arrested, right? But I've been in that space of being financially impacted yes. by a loved one, having to go through all of these challenges, and it's awful. I think mm-hmm. worst, and I, I don't know if this is the case in in Gwinnett, but in DeKalb, you can't even see them. You, no. you have to see them on video. And I know that's just now coming out as a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted to give space because, you know, just recently it's been announced that Sandra Bland actually recorded her own traffic stop. Yeah. Um, and that's always difficult to mm-hmm. watch, I think, because I think her, her death, there's certain deaths, there's a lot of them, but some of them really stick with us. Yes. You know, a lot of unanswered questions. A lot. Yeah, the ones with all of these unanswered questions and mm-hmm. we see all of these things and, and to, to find that and that her bond was $300. Yes. And, and that's what's so heartbreaking about it because, you know, it, it, she, it was a traffic ticket. I right. don't, you know, that really could have been handled differently. So for us... As, as citizens of the county, I think it should mean something if we know that there is a sheriff who's willing to look at that differently yes. and say maybe, you know, they shouldn't sit in jail on mm. with $300 bond right. because that's it's a ripple effect. Yes. And for somebody to be able to see that, to me, is huge. And to be yeah. a deputy sheriff and a police officer and more importantly, to be a black man in the community, I think I have a different perspective on it that maybe some of the my predecessors don't have right so let's talk a little bit more about 287g Mm -hmm. uh because i do have some some points that i want to cover with you but since you brought it up um you did explain what it is and you mentioned that you know uh uh, the incumbent sheriff is is planning to continue that plan so for me as a person of color i'm in arms that today as we sit here and have this discussion there are babies there are children in a cage, yes. locked under a bridge, and yeah. some of them are dying. One just died two weeks ago, yes. and 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 I'm like, this is um, this is happening in this country. So when we talk about 287G, it's not something that's far away, no. right? I know we can go on Buford Highway and see it happening, and I've heard reports of uh, certain extended stay hotels working with the sheriff's office yeah. to pull these people out of the extended stay hotel. Yes. Um, and not necessarily, this is not pulling out criminals. No. This is not a situation where you're going after criminals after they've been processed through the jail, you know, right. you know, either the police department or the sheriff's department. Mm. These are people that are sitting at home, they're going to work, and they're managing their families, and yes. then they're being... 
You know, and then some agencies look at it as a crime, but in fact, it's actually a civil issue, and it needs to be addressed in civil court with a pathway to citizenship as opposed to treating people who are going to work every day, typically staying out of trouble and not doing anything, and actually are more beneficial to the communities at large uh, with the revenue that they generate and the taxes that they pay on products and services, they are actually more of a benefit. And so rather than looking at them as criminals, we need to look at this as a civil issue, which is actually what it is. And, and hopefully the federal government will look at pathways to citizenships. But in the meantime, let's stop targeting people of color and immigrants uh, and those who are uh, undocumented citizens and get them back out to being productive and helping their families and not living in fear. And so that goes back to my whole platform, which is community first. Uh, elected officials are supposed to be responsible for taking care of the entire community, not just segments of it. Absolutely. This is, I tell you, this one is going to be really tough. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I listen to you talk and I'm like, wow, you know, even now I'm, I'm picking up parts of, of your position that I didn't know before. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, wow, that's interesting. So when you talk about this fear, I had started to talk about Chief Ayers a little bit. And what I approached Chief Ayers was, was Chief Ayers, you know, I'm a citizen. I've lived here 20 years. Mm -hmm. I come from the north. I have been traumatized by my interactions with police officers. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now that I'm here, I have a son. Mm -hmm. And I cannot feel safe. I can't feel comfortable. Isn't that what I told you? Yes. Mm -hmm. I can't feel safe here feeling like my son could be Freddie Gray, right. like he could be Trayvon Martin. I need to know that it's not okay. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that it's very concerned. And part of that was is that, you know, within my family, we were struggling with some mental health challenges. And I yeah. shared with the chief, I, I, as a mom, I've, I've been in positions where I've seen my son go through some very difficult times where he's needed support. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as I knew, at least at the time, I wasn't aware of any CIT trained officers in Gwinnett and I had a fear of calling law enforcement right. out for mental health issues um, regarding either me or my son. And, and uh, you know, so I mean, I don't think any citizen should ever live in fear. No. You know, when, when their child has autism, Mm -hmm. And they respond differently or, or, you know, any kind of mental health challenge. And we can't call for help because we're afraid that the police officers won't respond properly right. because of what we've already seen happen, yes. like in DeKalb County. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what are your plans? And also, to, if you can speak about the way mental health is handled in the current uh, jail system. And that's pretty much not just Gwinnett. That's pretty much all over. All over. Yeah, that mm -hmm. it's, it's really substandard. Like if you were to tell... Uh, the jailer that, you know, your loved one has a mental health issue or, you know, you're concerned for suicide, they'll put them in solitary. They put them by themselves, yes. which is is really a wrong thing to do when yeah. a person is in crisis. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, if you could talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, what what would your plans be to address people with mental health is issues in the jail? Well, one of the first things I, 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 I it can't go without saying is, you know, as far as what Sheriff Conway does now, pretty, pretty much you come in and if you are experiencing crisis or you're in an episode, you know, it is basically check sheet. Do you have this? Do you have that? Well, some people may not be aware of what issues are. They're, they're not in the mind frame to adequately answer mm -hmm. those questions. And so the deputies in, in dealing with, you know, so, as you say, so many people coming in, they're not 
you know, medical professionals. They can't make those assessments, right. you know, to be able to address it. As sheriff, one of the things I want to do is work with medical trained professionals in the mental health industry to have there at the jail 24 hours a day to have someone there who can take a look and do, you know, some initial assessments, professional assessments where they're focused on that and not necessarily the criminal charge that the person was brought in for. Mm -hmm. We we need to uh, we need to get rid of what's called the RRT, the rapid response team mm -hmm. that is sitting there in the jail. And I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with it, but they recently had uh, a young lady, you know, for the purposes of, you know, her rights. I won't mention her name, but, you know, she was assaulted by one of the deputies in the rapid response team while she was in crisis, you know, and rather than, you know, stepping back and taking his, you know, anger or emotions out of you know how she was behaving because she was in crisis he ultimately ended up assaulting her charges were brought against that deputy and ultimately he was fired and he's now facing criminal charges and that case is still pending so i don't want to give out the names but uh, that isn't a prime example with the rapid response team of how they approach people who are in crisis or who are having an episode and that is not the way that we need to do business at the jail. That is not the way law enforcement needs to handle this. These people, again, are coming in. Uh, and like I said before, they're going through crisis. They're having an episode. And, and rather than getting physical with them, they need help. They need help. And, and so I mentioned CIT earlier, and I just want to be clear for the audience. CIT is crisis intervention training. Um, and it's actually offered by NAMI. Yes. right now mm -hmm. um, and I'm understand is that free of charge right? yes mm -hmm. it is free of charge mm -hmm. yeah so in my estimation there's really not a good reason for the sheriff's department deputies to not be trained really there's not a good reason for any county right. to have anybody that's not trained in CIT right. um, that's that's very unfortunate and I know and I, I can give DeKalb a little heads up because you know a little raise the roof because I know they do have CIT trained officers and I've okay. met a few of them and they were pretty excited good. that after going through that training they they were actually because it gave them a tool they didn't have before exactly it gave them an understanding of how to interact with people right. that are in crisis and they were appreciative of it so yes. that there's always a plus side to it you know mm -hmm. even for the officers um, so I, I thank you that everything I almost wonder you know, this is almost like, so it, everything is like, wow, you know, it's, it's amazing to hear these things, you know, right. I mean, just stepping out for a second again, I, I've never lived anywhere where I've ever seen a cop go to jail until right. I moved to Georgia. Yeah. I've never heard of it. It doesn't matter what the cop does. No. I've never heard of a cop going to jail before right. until I got here. And right. I'm like, wow, this is very different. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's one of the things that's made me comfortable being a Gwinnett County resident. And right. I did express that as right. well. You know, I've been comfortable here. As knowing that there's not going to be that type of violence, right. you know, towards us. Um, and, yeah. and, and as you know, you go back into my background, you know, being raised by my parents and the, the, the struggle that they went through. They had military. I was military. To me, Sheriff's Department, Police Department, mm -hmm. your integrity is everything. And as a department, yeah. you have to ha each each officer or deputy has to have integrity. If you lose your integrity, your career is done. I don't want you working for me. And more importantly, as an elected official with these people that are in your charge, not only are they in your charge, but you need to be held accountable for your actions and their actions as well. Yeah, because once the trust with the community is broken, that's 
it takes a lot to to regain it. You yes, know? Um, it really does, and that that's that's a big challenge. And, and, and that that's one of the things that I want to do if the citizens see fit to let me and sheriff. Uh, I want to work and rebuild that trust with the citizens, all the citizens of Gwinnett County, mm -hmm. not just segments of the county, and uh, build that trust so that we can all work together. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, we, we can do that. You know, Gwinnett County can continue to be a model of how things should be done. Yeah, and speaking of model of how things should be done, it would be remiss of me to not even mention how I came to know you. Mm. So uh, back in 2017, there was a young gentleman who was assaulted by two former Gwinnett County police officers, and the video went viral. Um, I remember the day I watched that video, and that was a lot. Immediately, I immediately thought about my son. Mm. What is happening? And I immediately said, oh, no, we're not going to do this. <laughs> right. I, I, you know, I can't, you know. Um, so I took that opportunity to write Chief Ayers a letter. Very kind letter, I think. Mm. Stern, but kind. Yes. <laughs> And, um, he shared it with me. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, you know, and, and but but to let him know because I reminded him that I met him at previously at at the grand jury reform, mm -hmm. and then I asked him. I expressed my fear about that very thing happening. Yes. And and so you know, I wondered. I was saying, you know, that was two years ago, a year ago, and where are we today? Mm -hmm. You know, basically, I called him to the carpet, and he assigned uh, Curtis to work with me when he was assistant chief. And um, it was a challenge. And we still laugh about it to this day because, boy, I was hopping mad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, um, but you know, working with the two of them was really, it was, it was a stretch for me. Um, I, I was very pleased. You know, I, I walked up into that, all five, one of me walked up into that police station, <laughs> fully anticipating meeting with the two of you by myself. And little did I know, Curtis had reached out to the DOJ uh, for a conciliation specialist. And together, the three of us worked to put together a community forum to really face the community, talk yeah. about policing, and then also explain. We were really adamant about explaining what happened because people needed to know. So Absolutely. at the time where police chiefs, all across the nation were showing up in riot gear, showing, sending their people out in riot gear yeah. to deal with protesters and really, you know, oppressing that type of a view and not talking to the public. Mm -hmm. Here, Chief Ayers was ready and Chief Clemens. They were ready to talk. Well, you, at the time, you were Chief mm -hmm. Clemens. All right. um, you know, ready to, to, to face the community. And um, that that's really what it helped me stretch as a citizen, right. recognizing that, you know, you, you can reach out to your law enforcement, even though the police chief is not an elected position. He's appointed. He's appointed by the county commissioners. Right. But he's still, but, you know, he didn't need any community people to tell him what to do. He had fired those officers, had their own pick them up. And, you know, they, he did the right thing. And Absolutely. I think that needs to be lift up, lifted up yes. uh, for a lot of us that just have struggled with trusting law enforcement. Yes. Yeah, that needed to be lifted and, and, up. And, and that, that goes back to the integrity, you know, of the individual officers. And that included Chief, you know, Butch Ayers. He, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think he is by far the best chief I've had the pleasure of, of working for. And like yeah. I said, you know, integrity is everything. It is. And I, and I can tell, I think and you don't have to know a person long to know if they have integrity because a person is really marked by what they do. Oh, they do. And, yeah, and that that's what I learned. So, um... We talked about mental health. Yes. And considering that, um, you know that I'm a certified peer specialist yes. in Georgia. So um, mental health, um, there's a, another part of that 
that um, is connected to the opioid crisis. Yeah. So, you know, I'm aware that there are a lot of people that are dealing with trauma period, life trauma, you know, childhood trauma, mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's a major contributor for why a lot of people end up, uh, um, you know, abusing for drugs and substance right. abuse. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I also hold space for a lot of young people um, because of the landscape that they're facing I'm understanding that there's so many of them that do smoke. Um, so, you know, if we're looking at conquering an opioid crisis, um, I know that there, you know, of course, you know, weed is illegal. Um, you know, all these drugs are illegal, but yeah. in particularly about um, cannabis and people, these young people consuming it, what's happening is they're getting, they're getting caught. They're getting thrown in jail. They lose their job, like right. we talked about earlier. And mm -hmm. that, you know, and, and so, and for me, that's a little bit difficult to reconcile when I know that the state has a recovery movement that's oriented towards treatment. So, um, again, if you were sheriff, do you have any plans to, or creative plans to kind of curb that? Yes. As a sheriff, when you have these young people that are coming in, especially, you know, with these small amounts, of, of marijuana or or cannabis, I should say. Do you have plans to to offer them an alternative to help combat what's happening with the opioid crisis? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that uh, I've seen, I don't know if you're familiar with the program uh, put on by Judge Rodney Harris, it's called Strapped. Mm -hmm. And basically he gives uh, young people a, a second chance, if you will, um, when they come before his court, uh, they can become a part of Strapped and you know, uh, they have, uh, it's a six-month program, and you have regular meetings, and basically you have mentors and other uh, community leaders come in and talk to these young folks, and, and you expose them to, you know, better ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, you're giving these young people, uh, not just young people, but, but all those people who are, uh, meet the criteria to come into Strapped, you're giving them a, a second opportunity rather than taking a young person. Uh, this is maybe their first time uh, getting in trouble and essentially putting a mark, if you will, uh, on them for the rest of their lives for a, a minor, what I believe is, is a minor issue. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. If you get stopped with anything less than an ounce of marijuana, mm -hmm. of cannabis, that is a misdemeanor, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so that's a minor offense. And that's right. not something that should, you know, end up in a felony, as it no, often does. No, no. Yeah. And, and for, you know, possession less than an ounce, no, that, that should be a citation and you mm -hmm. put on your way and, and go on about your life and either pay the ticket and move on. But, um, but for young people, you know, um, why even have that on their record? You know, let's give them uh, an opportunity um, to erase that from their record and show that they have the commitment and the and can take responsibility and ownership for, you know what, yes, I did do this, and currently right now it is against the law, but, uh, you know, uh, here's, here's an opportunity to wipe that from my record and continue on my life, and hopefully it won't affect me in the future. So that sounds like reform. Yeah, because ultimately, you know, I remember, you know, my mom, she told me that when she was young, mm -hmm. they had reform school Yes. for when kids kind of, when young, when the youth were wayward, and apparently she had her little stint, young, you know, age, mm -hmm. um, but that's what they would threaten is reforms. They, they yes. actually believe that you can be, as opposed to, you know, uh, 17, 18 year olds getting mm -hmm. 20, 30 year sentences mm -hmm. for, 
uh, some of these crimes. So that's good to hear that you have a position that's a little bit open. It kind of, the thing that really kind of, um, at least is, is sticking with me right now is your willingness to work with so many different challenges in all of the different populations. Yes. That really speaks to, um, you know, your awareness of cultural competency. Mm -hmm. And I know that you've done some work, um, gotten some training and, and some other thing, even um, in as an offshoot of the community forum that we held, right. um, you took some steps to make sure that some people within Gwinnett County Police Department were able to receive that cultural competency training. Yes. Could you talk about that a little bit? Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, with the cultural competency, you know, uh, whenever you bring two people together, you they're each bringing their own life experiences to the table. Mm -hmm. And they each may not understand those life experiences that they bring to the table. So everything that, that each of them have experienced is going to shade how they view each other. Mm -hmm. And the only way that we can change that is through a breakdown of the cultural competency and get to learn about each other and try to understand each other and what our individual biases are. Sometimes we don't even understand what our own biases may be mm -hmm. until we are put in a particular situation. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in bringing all people together uh, mm -hmm. so that we can sit down, learn from each mm -hmm. other, and break down some of these barriers that, that, that keep us from moving forward. Mm, that's awesome. I, I just love to hear that. I'm, I can't say how, um, how much that just makes me feel great. Again, mm -hmm. I, I, I personally, mm -hmm. I've been going at for 20 years now, mm -hmm. and I, I'm just excited that there's so much more opportunity for me. I know um, when I first heard our, our incumbent sheriff, mentioned say that you know black lives matter was a hate group yes. that really just set me a terrorist organization yeah you know yes. because it's just like saying that about the panthers and that's that's not mm -hmm. the case no, no you know and, and it's they're just advocating for our rights um and so i'm appreciative that you're sensitive and aware of all of that but i also know that you've done quite a few other things you mentor children well not children youth young people young right people. Mm -hmm. um and you're also on the board of directors for an organization called leads can yes. you talk about that a little bit sure leads is uh stands for law enforcement assisting disadvantaged students mm -hmm. um uh, we are currently in the process of trying to uh, develop a community center in Snellville uh, to address the Grayson, Loganville, Snellville, Stone Mountain area youth. Um, but what LEADS does, um, you know, uh, we, we work with those parents who uh, maybe there's no father in the home and uh, the officers and others who volunteer as mentors uh, to sit down and in some cases become that father figure or a strong positive male figure not only for the young women not only for the young men but for the young women as well right, right. because uh, the young women as well need a strong positive male figure in their life mm -hmm. um, uh, as I said you know every, every young girl needs her daddy and so you know you, you have young men and women who don't have fathers in the home and they need that strong, positive role model and someone to uh, not necessarily take the place of their father, but someone that they feel comfortable with to share some of the trauma and experiences they are going through and that they can feel comfortable with and sharing that information and maybe getting some guidance, yeah. you know, with uh, how to deal with these situations. And furthermore, a lot of these youth that we deal with, 
you know, single family homes. Mm -hmm. uh, it may be a single dad. I mm -hmm. don't want to. I don't want to disparage anyone because sometimes it's not always the single mother. It may be a single dad. Mm -hmm. My prime example was for me mm -hmm. raising two young uh, people uh, as a single father, and that 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 parent will say may be out of the house. Sometimes having to work two, possibly three jobs, and so who's Who's raising these children? You know, the streets, as they say, or some of their peers who. And it d doesn't matter that you're in law enforcement. No, it does. They're still kids. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. with all the things that youth are exposed to now, typically at a much earlier age than it was when we were coming up, you know, um, they've had to grow up a lot faster. Uh, yes. and, by growing up, by being exposed to things, but not necessarily having the mental and emotional capacity to understand what they're dealing with. Yes. And so as part of the mentor program, we try to help some of the youth with that. And we also provide after school tutoring. Uh, and we also provide uh, access to certain programs that some of these children, because of their financial situation or because of their home situation, they may not be aware of mm -hmm. and so that goes back to the disadvantaged students and we provide programs like getting them out to Georgia Tech to go learn about coding you know yeah. uh, and some of them are not even aware that these type of things are out there and they exist and we may take them on field trips and expose them to you know things outside of their immediate area and I'm a big proponent of you know growth and getting out of your comfort zone and so we're taking them out of their comfort zone and we're helping them grow and exposing them to things and showing them that there are many opportunities and there are many avenues to be successful well i tell you that is i i wish um i could put on my watchdog activist hat and say there's something here that you said that I could dig into that just didn't go right, and I can't find it. <laughs> I just can't find it. You know, I'm, I'm so appreciative that you came out and, and, and sat for this interview. Um, I think everything you shared is extremely important. I mean, right, just right down the line, just really got me, especially when you talked about the bond reform, because yes. that's you, just like holding your loved ones hostage, really. It's, it's it it yeah. is, yeah, and it's hard, and it, again, holding space for the fact that it affects the, the families mm -hmm. that's not convicted of any crime, that haven't right. done anything. It, it's it's very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. So um, I wish you much success on your journey. I'm so glad you came out. And I'd like to ask you, before we wrap up, is there anything uh, final that you'd like to share with the audience, anything that you'd like them to know? Um, absolutely. Uh, what I would like the audience to know is, one, um, as a candidate for sheriff here in Gwinnett County. Um, I have been here for 30 years in law enforcement in Gwinnett County. Uh, I have the experience and I know how the county operates and I know how to get things done. Mm. Um, I helped facilitate a $131 million budget for the police department. I've made the purchases, uh, uniforms, cars, vehicles, equipment. Uh, and uh, again, I've done it all with integrity. Uh, and everything that I do, I, try, I strive to be above board. Uh, I have the experience. I have the knowledge. And uh, if any of the uh, listeners or viewers would like to reach out to me, uh, they can go to my website at clemensforsheriff.com. That's Clemens, C-L-E-M-O-N-S, for sheriff, all one, one word, dot com. And uh, take a look at my website, and you'll see what my platforms are and where I stand on many issues. And, uh, and if you would like to 
uh, volunteer to help me with my campaign or if you would like to uh, donate, mm -hmm. they can also go to that website or they can reach me at my email at uh, clemensforsheriff at gmail.com. Absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us. I'm so happy that you did. I hope you got something. And most importantly, I hope you vote in this 2020 election. Everybody, please vote. Please vote. <laughs> so I'd like to leave you with one final thought. Be intentional with your plans and manifest your best. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in every Sunday at 3 p.m. at officialdfd.com. Follow us on social media at officialdfd. Your dynamic, your dialogue. Come get some.